We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right. Uh, it's a pleasure to have Pete Rose with us. The book, Play Hungry, The Making of a Baseball Player. Uh, Pete's going to have these tour dates here in the metropolitan area coming up uh, tomorrow. He will be at Barnes & Noble on 5th. At 1 o'clock, he will be uh, at uh, Books and Greetings in Northvale, New Jersey at 6 o'clock. Uh, that is tomorrow. We welcome Pete in. Let me give you the publisher uh, just so everyone knows the book. Uh, Pete Rose, Play Hungry. Uh, Penguin Press is the publisher, The Making of a Baseball Player. Pete, good to see you. Thank you. Thank you, you Mike. Thank you for joining me. Uh, always for... a pleasure. Um You've been, you know, lately I haven't heard much from you. You always are someone who's going to get a lot of attention. But uh, why another book? What made you, what motivated you to do another book? Well, I'm 78. Uh, this is probably, no, not probably, this could be my last book. And, you know, of all the things I did in my life, I never really took time to really thank my father for everything he did for me. And this is, uh, pretty much a love story between me and my father. And, and, and as you know or may not know, uh, I grew up in the 40s and 50s. And I had a father who was a, a triple athlete, a baseball player, a basketball player. Kind of player. a legendary athlete. Yeah. 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 And uh, he took me from the time I was able to walk, and he taught me the correct way to play and, and uh, to be aggressive and to be punctual and to be enthusiastic and that's the way I played the game, and that's the way he played the game. So I guess what I'm saying in a roundabout way is I'm just Pete Rose in the next generation with a bigger and better opportunity. That's what it is. Well, you miss to. your father, which is clear. Sure, everybody you misses did. their father. Okay. But I, I hope you had a relationship with I didn't. your father I like didn't. I my, did. I did not have a father. So my father left when I was six, seven years old, never saw him again. And there's a lot. There's so a lot. So I, I yeah. didn't grow up without a father. So yeah. I, I didn't have that. I had two brothers, no father. So I don't have that. But he's clearly a driving force and had a huge impact on you. It reminded me a lot of stuff I've heard Tiger Woods say about his dad. Okay, uh, he still, you know, he kind of a lot of people felt he spun out of control because his dad wasn't there. Yeah. You mentioned that some of the stuff wouldn't have happened to you probably, if your dad right. was probably still right around to kind of tell you to knock it off. Okay. Uh, but interestingly, the the fascination with you, Pete, and and the people have you're one of these rare guys. Okay, you're still not in the Hall of Fame. If we called up and opened the phones right now, the people would vote eighty to twenty to, for you to get into the Hall of Fame. I mean, maybe ninety to ten. Okay, you've been incredibly popular. There's no question. You've always been popular with the fans because of the way you played. Clearly, Correct. you're absolutely right. Clearly, I mean the fans. I, I can tell you by just doing a show all these years how the fan, the average fan, reacts to you. Uh, they all. You also play a game that's kind of a bygone game now. It's not this. You know, you mentioned that in the book, and I can tell you about this about Pete, which I can tell you. Uh, I've had guys tell me, and I won't say what players. I've had people p- tell me, players tell me, big time players. Number one, Mike Ch- Smith told me that you taught him how to win. 
Yeah. Number two, another player told me that you were the smartest baseball man he ever met. Now that guy is in the Hall of Fame too. He said you taught him everything. I won't say who it is. Taught him everything he knows about baseball. That you were the smartest, instinctive baseball guy he ever had as a manager, and he had like ten managers. The only one he ever had that he ever learned anything from really was you. So you had a great gut instinct for the game. There's no question. I mean, you came in to say to me right now, the Yankees are playing well. And I said, you know who's made a big difference? LeMayo, you said, yeah, hits the ball right field. The other night again, Sale hit a home run to right field, hit a double to right yeah, field. Yeah. You're in Vegas. You know that he's hitting the ball to right field. Yeah, so yeah. you're still following the game today. Well, you, you know don't I mean? put no yeah. switch on him. Yeah. Don't put it. no switch on him but or you're, you're going to get beat. You make the point about baseball's too much three-run homer and then sit back and nothing happens for five innings. And you if know? you don't hit the three-run homer, Mike, you strike out three times. Right. And let's start there. Let's start with, before I get to you, how about baseball today? Baseball's struggling a little bit. It's not doing well. The gate. Is, you're absolutely right. It's not doing well. A lot of people think it's not connecting. And the game is power hitting, power pitching, three-run homers, no hit the cutoff, man. You made a point about something I used to watch as a kid. No one plays pepper anymore. You know that member? I used yeah. to, you talked about how good you think day. it is to play Pepper. Every day. You know, it's funny. I and used to the, see those Pepper games as a kid. No Pepper games buying on plate. No Pepper games. And you you said you played Pepper every day. Every day. That's amazing. And as you watch, and you watch those old baseball movies, what are they always doing? Playing Pepper. Playing Pepper. Everybody, Gas House Gang, the whole thing. Everybody I playing Pepper. I mean, do you pepper. agree with this or disagree with it? If, if I walked into a clubhouse today, whether it was the Mets or the Cardinals or the Reds or whatever, and I start talking about hitting. And don't forget, I got 40, almost 4,300 hits. Right. They would think I'm crazy. They say, what the hell is he talking about? No exit velo, yeah, not lift yeah, the ball. Not back, lift. Who cares how fast it comes ball. off the bat? Right. I mean, give me, I'll take a home run, but give me four singles. And two of them with a man on second. That's what wins games too. And you know, of all the records I got, Mike, and I got a lot of them, okay? The, the proudest record I have, and you'll understand this, is I played in 254 more winning games than anybody you, in the history of sports. Your number is 1972. You yeah, had yeah. 1,972 wins. Yeah. You're the winningest player of all time. Yeah, by I 254. When I started the book, I came in the next day and told the fans that. I said, who's the winningest player, right? Remember when I asked you guys, who's the winningest player of all time? And they didn't guess it. And I said... Pete Rose. Pete Rose played in 1,972 winning games. And that don't include all-star games or playoff or World Series. 1,972 regular, regular season, season games. winning games. <laughs> That's in a, Now, you played in a lot of games, more than anybody. 3,500. Right. But you know exactly how many you won, and, you, and you're proud of how many games you won. Because it's the most. And, 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 and I tell people this all the time. You only play sports for one reason, and that's to win. I ask kids all the time when I'm signing autographs, 20 days a month, four hours a day. Did you win? No. Or why do you play? Well, it's fun. Is it fun when you lose? No. Then why do you play? You play to win. Everybody, everybody, if moms and dads are listening to you and I talk right now, and you have sons, daughters, nieces, nephews, grandsons, granddaughters that play sports, don't tell me if you go watch them play and they do something positive and win the game that you're not in a better mood on the way home. Because you are. And why give a trophy to everybody? What? Which I've never Participation? Been a, yeah, that's, I've never been a fan of that. Never. Yeah, but that's, why would that, you? Listen, we're dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> we are. That's exactly right. Because that's not allowed anymore. I, yeah. get in, I get yelled at here by people who say, you know, what are you thinking about? Everybody, no. The idea is to teach someone that compete and win. 
That's the idea. Well, it's the same thing as teaching if you take a test, do you want an A or a C? That doesn't make any sense to me. Let's start at the beginning, though, because it, it, I, listen, I, don't, I always say this. I don't invite a lot of authors in unless I'm going to read the book. I read the entire book. The book is a great read, folks, because I learned things about Pete Rose that I never knew. Here's Pete Rose's dad. Takes you to the coach when you're a little kid and says, he will play every day. He will be at every practice. He will not miss a day, okay, but make sure he switch hits. And hands Nine him, years old. Hands him to the coach. But ne- what I like is never will miss a practice. Now, if you go to games, kids miss games, practice. They have three different teams. They have camps. They have this. Never miss a game. Never miss a practice. You committed to your team. You didn't go on family vacation. Hey, you, know, you and I have one thing in common here, okay? Probably a lot of things in common, but here's the thing. How many vacations did you go on when you were a kid? None. I never went on one until None. I took, until, I never went on one until I took my kids on a vacation. So a real, look, a real family vacation. Mike, Mike, so I, I got a you fi- never went on a family vacation. I got a, a, a fiancé who I've been going with for nine years. And nine years ago, she, uh, I have a buddy of mine just developed a, a golf resort in Cabo named Diamante. Ken Jotty's his name. And we decided to go down to uh, Cabo because the, the two kids, right. my two stepkids are golfers. One's a really good golfer, a 17-year-old. A 21-year-old is not playing golf anymore, but the 17-year-old's really, he's on the Toyota uh, Tour Cup in California. And we went to Cabo, and it's the first time in my life I ever went somewhere when I wasn't working. I've been to Tokyo right. for five days, but I worked two days. I've right. been to Hawaii. Right. been there three days, but I worked two days. Right. I've been to Puerto Rico. I've been to Dominican Republic. But I never went anywhere where I didn't have to sign an autograph, didn't right. have to work. Or a tour. Yeah, T- baseball tour. And now we go a couple times a year. Right. And it, it, But you never it, went I'm as a kid. I'm not disappointed at that. But you never went as a kid. Never. You just stayed and played well, one time, One time a year, Mike, we would get in a car and drive two hours down the river in Cincinnati. Yep. To Madison, Indiana, and watch the regatta, which is the hydroplanes. You like We're, that? Well, that was the only thing. Right. And we, but we go back home that night, so it wasn't really a vacation. And I remember the first time I signed a baseball contract in 1960, and I got on an airplane to fly to Syracuse, New York, to, to drive to Geneva, New York, to play for the Geneva Reds. And I'm looking out that window, and I'm saying to myself, how in the hell is this airplane standing in the sky? I had no idea. I was scared to death. And you were, like, f- first of all, here's an f- amazing thing you say. You were not the best baseball fan. And Eddie Brinkman was the big star in your team. He was. Right? And was I like remember Eddie Bruce. Brinkman, who was a light-hitting shortstop, good fielder. Great fielder. Great fielder, but not a good-hitting shortstop. Light-hitting shortstop. And he was the big star on your high school Absolutely. team. Absolutely. He was the pitcher. You were the third-best player, you said, on your team. Yeah. And, 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 and you remember when Ted Williams went on a fishing trip? And the guy traded uh, Eddie Brinkman to yes. Detroit, and yeah. Ted got mad went because he, he thought he could help him become a good hitter because Eddie could, you know, he was he had a great arm. He went arm crazy and, yeah, about that He trade. did. He did go crazy. You're he absolutely did. right. I remember that. Absolutely. Eddie, Eddie was Brinkman. my third baseman pitcher, and I was a catcher. Eddie Brinkman was a very good fielder. He was a light hitter, though. Was yeah, a light, light hitter. Banjo yeah. hitter, but a light but a good But in high school, he was Babe Ruth. <laughs> but he was the big star, not you. Yeah. And you were never the big star on your teams growing up. Right. I was a good player, but uh, there was always a better player. But you wanted, but you knew, and you were a much better football player. And yeah, you I loved was. football when I you did were a love kid. Football. You were a big football player. You were built like a football player, and you were a very yeah. good football player. Yeah, I almost went to the University of Tennessee to play football. But I'm glad I didn't do that. But uh, that was to make my dad proud because my dad was maybe 
well, not maybe, probably the best football player ever to come out of Cincinnati. And he played back when we had no TV. The only TV we had was the Cleveland Browns. And he played Sunday football, and there'd be 10,000 every Sunday at the games. And I used to be the kid that would pass the hat at halftime to try to get the money to pay for the referees. But you always did it because there was 10,000 people. Absolutely. You know, and then you Those get are to, the good old days. You get to Geneva, and who's on your team? A couple of na- names they know here in New York. Art Shamsky, right, is an early guy Shammer for you. Shamsky was my roommate. Art Shamsky and... Tony Perez. Tony Perez. He was the who, second baseman. Who becomes one of your one of your key guys with the big red well, Tony is, Perez is for you guys. Guy. Hey, yeah. Tony Perez for you guys listening. One of the Mike great all beyond men of all time. He's about 1,700, but yeah. he's the only Cuban ever to make the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Did the, you know that? Yes, one of the great all Yes, and, and, and probably if you ask me, tell me great all beyond men, I'd say I think I can think of a couple. Uh, Miguel Cabrera, Manny Ramirez. And Tony, Tony Perez, Perez gr- one of the great RBI yeah. men of all time. Now, he knocked in almost 1,700, hit, hitting after Johnny Bench. Yep. Johnny didn't leave too many ducks on the pond. No. And when he was on first, it took a triple to score him. <laughs> but <laughs> so, it's amazing that you ran into these guys. And, you know, you made a, you made a very good point about, about what those teams meant to you and what the scout you were connected to, what he meant to you, and yeah. how he pushed you along. Yeah. But also, when you finally get to the Reds, and, you know, Pete, I saw you in 63. My brother, John, who's uh, almost six, seven years older than me, has probably listened to this now. He's retired, lives in Long Beach. Um, uh, he took me with his friends to the polo grounds. I went with my little league in 62. In 63, he took me, and they played a doubleheader against the Reds. Duke Snyder was, in the, was playing yeah. for the Mets. Yeah. Casey you were, Stengel, you manager. You were in the game. Yeah. You, and I saw you guys play a doubleheader. I saw you play in 63 at, at the Polo Grounds. So I, now, and I was a kid. I, watched, I was in the upper deck upstairs, and I saw you play that, in that game. Up, and it was a wild, like, 13-11 second well, game. One game, uh, a doubleheader we played at the Polo Grounds. And to check the records if you think I'm kidding you. I hit the first pitch of the game off of Jay Hook for a home run. Right. And Jim Maloney won his 20th game. That day. Wow. And that was 63. Yep. And it didn't happen again until 2013 when a guy hit the first pitch of the game for a home run and the game ended up one to nothing. And uh, so that first. That 50 game, years it took. One nothing first pitch of the game. First pitch of the game. Now, a lot of guys get a home run first time up, but not the first pitch and the game ends up one to nothing. That happened twice in the last, well, 213, uh, tw- the last uh, 56 years. Tell me what. So you get to the Reds, yeah, and is Frank Robinson, Veda Pinson, Jesse Gonder. Frank Robinson, we know, just passes away. We yeah. know his impact, but I didn't realize the impact he had on you. He had a very big impact on you. Talk about Frank, what. Frank well, Robinson here's what happened. Meant to the, you. the Reds won the pennant in '61. In '62, they went to they went to spring training. They had a second baseman named Don Blassingame. Yep. He had 281 for him in '62. Now it's 63, and the Reds think they can get back to the World Series. And Fred Hutchison, our manager, sticks this young rookie from Cincinnati in the lineup named Pete Rose. And the Reds were a real clickish team. Not no bad guys. They were good guys. I'm talking about Gordy Coleman and Johnny Edwards and Gene Freeze and Eddie Casco, you know, and, and, and Joey Jay and, and Bob Perky, all the guys like that. And they kind of resented me because they wanted blasting game. And all of a sudden, Frank Robinson and Veda Pinson were the only ones that would go out to eat with me and socialize with me. And I was actually called in the Reds' clubhouse, or excuse me, in the Reds' office, 
midway through the season, and I was told I'm hanging with the black players too much. Really? And I said, well, I don't really care what color my teammate's skin is. I'm hanging with Frank and Veda because they treat me like I'm one of the guys. And that was the end of that. And then uh, Frank Robinson taught me, uh, like my dad, how to be aggressive. He was one of the most aggressive oh, base runners ever. Great base runner. And you don't knock him down because oh. if you knock him down, the manager would fine you because you'd wake him up. And Veda Pinson was one of those guys like Marison Mantle. Oh, he's fast too. He could oh, yeah. run like the but, wind. But he didn't get the, the, the notoriety because nope. of Frank. Yep. Maris didn't get the notoriety because of Mickey. No question. Eddie Matthews didn't get the notoriety because Hank, of Henry. No question. And and Veda was a great player. Oh, he was. And, great and center fielder. He bought me my first room service ever, ever in Chicago because we were out and I came back. Remember Jim Coates? Sure. Well, I get home at 12.15, curfew is 12 o'clock, and he's got the chain on the door. And I was out with Veda. He says, well, Frank's back in Cincinnati getting an X-ray on his elbow. Come on down, stay in Frank's bed. So I went down, and he bought me room service the next day. Never forget it, Mike. It was ten dollars and seventy-five cents. That was the first a whole room new world. service. Yeah, yeah, whole new world. Then I had to go down and get dressed, and we went to the ballpark. You know how about the how about the <laughs> impact of them trading Robinson when they did? Well, that was after the '65 season. Uh, the, the the red zoner should thought he was old. Well, what did An he old do? Old thirty. Yeah. Well, he went and won the triple crown. He sure did. Yeah. yeah. For Milt Pappas. And we got Milt Pappas, Dick Simpson, and Jack Balsham. That's who we got for so Frank Robinson. They thought he was a clubhouse lawyer, right? That's what they didn't like. He had too much to say. Is that was the idea? No, you know, I think what happened to Frank, um, I think he got pulled over by a policeman one night in Cincinnati, and he had a gun in his glove compartment. They didn't arrest him or anything, but right. I think the Reds kind of didn't quite understand that in gotcha. those days. And I think that has something to do with him getting rid of Frank. Frank ain't going to shoot nobody. Frank was, he was a tough dude, man. He, he, he played the game right. He taught me how to play hard. Not that I didn't know how to play hard, but when you when you when you talk about it and you watch a guy go out and do it, it makes a con- it, it makes an impression on you. And Frank did it. I mean, Frank went out there every night and busted his ass, played as hard as he possibly could, and he was a really good player. I mean, he had oh, thirty nine home player. runs as a rookie. Great player. I mean, nothing he couldn't do. Absolutely no, nothing no, he couldn't absolutely do. Absolutely great, as you said, great base runner. And ferocious. And when he went to the Orioles, you know, the Yankees were in their demise then. And I saw, I was a Yankee fan. I used to go to the games. Those Orioles killed the Yankees every time they played them. <laughs> and Brooks and, there, too. Oh, just, oh Brooks and, and Paul Blair. Remember and the series Boog. he had in 1970? Oh, yeah, unbelievable. Brooks against us? Unbelievable. Well, he, as good as anybody. And Clemente the next year against the Orioles, yeah, the back-to-back yeah, series. Yeah, yeah. But I want to get to the 76 before we take a quick break. We're here with Pete Rose, the book. Uh, play hungry, the making of a baseball player. Because here comes the big red machine, and you get to the 70s. You, you win it in 75, and I know you guys love 75, and you talk about 75, and I know playing in game six and seven are so big for you. that They meant so much because they're two of the classic games of all time. You know? Well, it's the first time I Let's won. Let's stop that. there first. Let's stop there first because then we'll get to 76. Because 76 is personal because I'll tell you, I'll talk to you about <laughs> it. Because I was in the stands for games three and four. So I, I, I want to talk about that because you guys intimidated the Yankees off the field. So, but 75, when pick it up for where Carbo hits the home run in game six and what went on after that. I mean, the Carbo home run is unbelievable. Well, first of all, you know, Carbo was our first-round draft choice ahead of Johnny Bench. Yes. Did you know that? Yes. In the same draft. Yep. And uh, there's two guys I played against, Mike, that they carried their billfolds in their back pocket. I have no idea why. Rico Cardi and Bernie Carbo. Rico Cardi, good hitter. Yeah, I don't know why they carried their billfold (laughs) in their back pocket. But, you know, Carbo had the worst swing in the world before the home run. 
he tipped it out of Bench's glove, and it was one of them half swings, next pitch straight away, and we go in the clubhouse and Sparky, big red machine, my ass. And I said, Sparky, did you see that celebration they just had? They won't be able to come back tomorrow. We got one more game to go. And we come back the next day, and, and we were down 3 nothing. Down. And until got the, Bill the Lee threw the EFIS pitch. The, that Tony hits a mile. A mile. And then the little blue pit, which is the But here's something I bet you don't even realize. You sound yeah, like broke you're up, up to the speed on what's play. going I did. Yep. Kill, save the game. Den- Denny Doyle threw broke in the dugout. The Instead play. of the inning over, three save, to nothing, three to two, and save, momentum change. Save the game. You're absolutely right. Uh, biggest Most play people in the game. don't even understand I that. remember that. Save the game. The next thing, it's the two-run home, it got him back in the ball game. You broke yep. up the double play. Yeah, then we had a, the next year, we had to go to New York. And well, let, here's the thing. Here's the thing about this series. Well, let me start, okay? Forget you win the two games. You're up the two games, and the Yankees win the pennant, win the, you know, win, coast in the pennant with Billy by a million games. Beat Kansas City in the classic series with the Shambles yeah, Homer. Yeah. But they're a flawed team. They don't have a lot of power. They're, they're not yet a great team. In 77-78, I always wanted them to play again because I think they could have played a heck of a series against you with Reggie and with uh, better bullpen. and Reggie. You know, they needed the power. <laughs> and I didn't like Reggie, but they needed the power. You didn't like Reggie? I, I, didn't, not, I didn't like him as a man. Yankee. I didn't like him as a Yankee. But, you know, listen, great, great, great clutch player. I just didn't like him as a Yankee. But forget that. 76. You win the first two games, you come back. You remember those three games, games three and four was so cold. It was like 32 it was degrees. It was ice cold, yeah. But what I couldn't take for you guys, A, you ran on every every outfielder like they like you like you, you didn't even care. You didn't even stop at first base against these guys, outfield arms, which were awful. And you psyched Mickey Rivers out of the building. You came walking <laughs> up on him. Remember how close you walked up on him? Well, Sparky told me. You walked right up on him, and, he, and it was Sparky said, I did, I did film on this guy. And he can't hit a ground ball to left field. So take the bun away from him. And you know something about that series? I don't know if you remember this or not. Griffey and I didn't do anything in that series. That was the first World Series where the DH was used. Yeah, Dan Dreesen killed Dan the Yankees. Dan killed the Yankees. Well, three, guy, three guys hit over. Bench was MVP. Bench was huge. Perez, Bench, and Dreesen all hit over yeah, 500. Bench hit two homers in the game. If four, me and Griffey yeah. did something, we'd have wiped them out easier. And you already won, you won in four games. Four what else games. you want to do? But you, and, you remember walking in on Mickey? Oh, yeah. You walked it like you were 30 feet oh, yeah. away I was, from him. I was. You were driving him crazy. And he finally hit one right here. Right at and you. And I snapped and it. Snapped yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? And I was in the stands. <laughs> I I was I hated your team so much because you you guys not only won you rubbed the nose and Munson was great in that series oh my, hit five hundred that hit was a million that, singles and that then he, was the and then he only t- thing good about Sparky me playing in that World Munson Series off, though Thurman Munson was a great player would have been a Hall of Famer and they had the and they had the talk where you were on the mound talking to Sparky saying boy can that Munson hit but hit. after the game they asked him about Munson and he said don't ever compare anybody to Johnny Bench and Munson was ticked. Munson was mad, but let's be honest. Bench, Thurman hit singles. Bench hit homers. You know, Thurman was great. Johnny Bench is the best catcher I ever saw. He was the best, okay, offensively uh, me, and defensively. Well, let, let, let me let me put a couple of things at you. See if you agree or disagree. You know who the greatest hitting catcher in history of baseball is? I mean, I think the best hitting catcher I've ever seen is Piazza. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Who's the best defensive catcher? I think Bench is. I think I've, Clay Yvonne, I think was he, really good. Yvonne Rodriguez. You think he's even better than Bench? Yeah. Wow. Okay. But the best overall catcher is right. Johnny Bench. Right. I thought Bench was great defensively. It's just it's just like the who's the greatest defensive third baseman? Brooks Robinson. Yes. Who's the greatest offensive third baseman? George Brett. Who's oh. the best overall third baseman? Mike Schmidt. 
Mike Schmidt both ways, absolutely. Yeah. Mike Schmidt's defense got really good. It did. It really got good. You know, good. when I went to Philadelphia uh, and for the 79 season. So you think Rodriguez is even better than bench behind the plate, huh? Yeah, just catching. Wow. Yeah, yeah uh, you can run on Rodriguez. But, really? but bench is, is the best. Bench was unbelievable. Is the best. Yeah, he was but when I went to Philadelphia for the 79 season, Mike Schmidt was the best player in the league three or four days a week. After playing with me a year in 79, I had a great year, 330, a couple hundred hits, 100 runs, scored 40 doubles, whatever. Mike Schmidt became the best player in the league seven days a week just by watching me play. He told me you taught him how to win. I, ta- I taught him that you don't hit that home run every day. Lead with your speed. Lead with your defense. Lead with your base running. Lead with your leadership. And he did. That's why he's the greatest third baseman ever. He was a great player. But he said that he didn't know how to win. That team didn't know how to win. He didn't know how to win until you got there. Well, I figured this way. The the problem with the, the Phillies in the 70s was the Reds. Okay? Right. So if I leave the Reds to go to the Phillies, we don't have that problem no more. No, I didn't. And I went to the World Series in 80. I went to the playoffs in 81. And I went to the World Series in 83. So I played there f- five years and went to three playoffs and two World Series, which is a pretty good uh, Percentage. But the 76 team is the best team you ever played on, right? Probably. I would say, right? I well, mean, it was the same team as 75. The only difference was we added the DH. Right. But same I, exact team. Right. But, you know, listen, 75, 76, same team together. But, I mean, what a collection of guys with Morgan, yeah. with obviously Bench, and, and with You know something, Mike, let me I tell mean, you the something. The four of you at the top of the lineup are And I tell people this all the time. I'm never going to get on your show or anybody else's show and say the Big Red Machine was the best team ever. But I'm going to get on your show, and I'm going to tell you something that I would go to my grave saying. The Big Red Machine was the most entertaining team ever. We had Golden Glovers, a catcher, first, second base, shortstop, center field. We had home run champions. We had RBI champions. We had batting champions. We had stolen base champions. And we had a flamboyant manager. It's got to be the most entertaining and team you ever. Had, and you had a lot of different kind of guys, too. Yeah. You, know, you had yourself. You had Tony Perez. We're you the had only Joe team Morgan. in the history of baseball. Only team in history of baseball to date. Now, I think it will happen someday with the Yankees. We had a white Hall of Famer, a Latino Hall of Famer, and a black Hall of Famer, and a Hall of Fame manager. That would be Bench, Morgan, and Perez. Now, someday, Jeter's going to make it. Rivera made it. Right. Torrey made it. Right. And Clemens should make it. Eventually. So that would be that scenario. All right, take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about the more current things with Pete right after this. All right, we're here with Pete Rose, uh, the book Play Hungry, the making of a baseball player. Penguin Press, Pete will be tomorrow at Barnes & Noble at 1, and he'll be at North Vale at Books and Greetings at 6. Pete, I've always wanted to ask you this, and I've had you in the studio a couple times. Going back to when the, the the trouble started, Yeah, was it... Animosity with Dowd, animosity with Giamatti, was that the big problem when you made the agreement why it never just took and things got quiet after that? Why did that blow up right away? Uh, the only thing I can think of, and um, if you remember, when uh, when Mr. Bar- Mr. Giamatti, who I got along with, by the way. You did? Okay. When he got up and he read the agreement, we weren't there. We were at another place, and he was at the New York uh, press conference and he read the agreement that there'll be no finding he bet on baseball then he set the agreement down and the first question someone asked him was do you believe he bet on baseball and he said uh, yes i do so everybody in the press 
got wrapped up in what he said and not what the agreement said. Does that make any sense? Well, you felt so you had an agreement that you weren't going to, he wasn't going to mention baseball. Was that the yeah. agreement? Yeah. But the agreement was there, there'll be no finding bet on baseball. It's over. Then when someone asked him the question and he voluntarily said, it, it, it's almost like this, Mike, you go in front of a judge and the judge says, Mr. Francesa, you're not guilty, but I think you killed him. You kind of break, you kind of break the faith of the agreement. And then I had to live with that. Gotcha. And then of course the worst thing happened to both of us is five days later. Right. He drops dead. Right, which then everyone because blames I, you. I, I seriously believe that he'd have given me an opportunity after a year. I really do believe that because, like I said, when Bart was president of the National League, I used to get along with him. You know, he'd periodically be on the road. I'd go up to his room, and we'd talk about different things to help the game of baseball become a better game. And he was very intelligent, very intelligent. And he loved the game. Sure he did. Right. He was president of Yale. Right. I mean, how, right. how, how smart you have to be. Right. Yeah. And by the way, his son's a great actor too. Yeah, a great actor. Yeah, great actor. Yeah. yeah. So that was that was the thing there. And and John Dow was just uh he was a prosecutor. Right. And he his job was before he investigated me, was put mafia types behind bars. He runs strike force. So Giamatti got the right guy. You know, listen, and I'm not trying to judge you in any way. We all know the mistake was not betting on baseball. The mistake was saying you didn't bet on baseball. Because if you had just said you bet on baseball, yeah. everyone would have forgiven you. Yeah. They would have forgiven yeah, you. Yeah, but, but here, a lot of people don't understand this. I'll try to explain it to you, okay? We're talking about 1989, okay? Uh, first of all, the lawyers told me not to, not to admit I bet on it. Right. And secondly, I was scared. Why was I scared? I'm a man in my mid-40s. I got two young kids, two young kids, and all of a sudden they're going to take away the only thing I knew, being a baseball player, a manager. Okay, how am I going to support my family? What did you think was going to happen right away? Did you think it was going to, you were going to get back in? Like, did you think After you a would, year. You After thought you'd get back in? Yeah, okay. I, thought, I, thought, I thought that Bart would, uh, uh, I was clean up my act, which I did, and, and uh, he would give me a second chance, but... Because he died, it didn't. It didn't work out that way. God bless him. Where Where is it now? With the With the, Have you had any talks with the commissioner about Couple anything? A years ago, but uh, where is it now? No, it's nowhere. It's nowhere because uh, I don't have a chance. I'll tell you why. And and, and and don't don't get me wrong. I'm over it. Right. Okay. I made the Reds Hall of Fame. I got my number retired. I got a statue. How about you having a statue? See, here's the thing. It's baseball. Here's where baseball is completely hypocritical. How can you have a statue outside a building, but you're banned from baseball? You got a statue outside a baseball building. <laughs> oh, cool. And when they have a MasterCard deal and they want you on the field, you're on the field, which is yeah. not, you know, you yeah. should. Talk. Now, listen, I would have told him, I hope I would have told him to take a walk. The bottom line is, though, it's like, it's like, wait a second. When I saw the statue outside the building, I said, how can he, how, if he's disgraced, how does he have a statue outside the building? <laughs> That's nonsense. So well, to me, that's why this should be rectified already. In the, la in the last five years, okay, you talk about the hypocritical. The Reds had me at the ballpark of uh, bobblehead day. They sold 42000 They had me at the ballpark to retirement number, 42000 They had me at the ballpark when they put me in the Reds Hall of Fame, 42000 They had me at the ballpark when they did the statue, 42000 So when they can use me, and they did the same that's thing not fair. with Johnny Bench and Tony Perez and Joe Morgan. We're all used out now. We all got our numbers retired. 
We all got statues. We all got uh, our uh, our jerseys retired. Right. And there's no, there's nothing else for us unless we have some kind of anniversary for the Big Red Machine. See, here's the thing that I've always felt. Maybe I'm wrong. They think Pete has never been honest with us. Pete lives in Vegas. He probably still gambles, which is your business. But they probably figure somebody'd want Pete back in baseball, and we don't want him back in baseball. Did you ever think about saying to them, I'll agree I'll never work in a uniform again, but clear me so that I can go into the Hall of Fame? They're not going to they're, they're do that. Now, let me ask you a question. Okay, now, you've got to understand this. Okay, I'm 78 years old. I work my ass off, you know, 20 days right. a month. Okay? What is the big deal if I want to go bet tomorrow night on a basketball game at, legally and go home and watch it on TV? Nothing. That's my enjoyment. Nothing. That's Nothing. my enjoyment. Their fear now, is, uh, I tell think their me, fear t- is, is that you're still popular and they don't want you inside the game if you're betting. Because I think that because of your background. Well, I'm not going to be inside the game. You're not going to well, hire they, me. They think somebody would hire you, I think. At 78 years old? Well, you know what? Make you a coach. Put you in an no, organization. No, I, w- I don't want to be a coach. You know, I don't like want to be a coach. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to be Or maybe be thinking somebody <laughs> thinks you'd fill their building as a manager. You know, people are crazy. Well... You're a popular I, 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 figure. Hey, you still you, sign autographs every day because people care about you. You have to understand that if people don't understand, I learned my lesson. They're never going to understand. Well, I don't. What know. do you think? Go ahead. What do you think about the new thing going on with baseball? Baseball's in the Wait gambling business now. Okay, because they have to send the starting lineup to the commissioner's office. Fifteen minutes right. for every game, and what does he do with it? He sends it to the MGM Grant. That's right. Now, that's, isn't that a little hypocritical? And I understand. In the, I understand hey, baseball making wait money. Wait a second. They're in the gambling business now. All the are. leagues are in the gambling business. I know they are. So <laughs> let's forget the nonsense. They're all in the gambling business. They don't trust you because they can't control you. They think you, they know you bet on baseball. Now, listen, they tried to say, oh, we, and I'm sure they looked under every nook and cranny yeah, yeah. to see if you bet against your team, yeah, which is a offense, but you would yeah. never do that. No. See, I said that the whole, I said, I know Pete bet on, I know he bet on baseball because I know he's a big gambler. And I know he knew when he had an edge, so he bet on baseball. But I, I said, I would bet my life you never bet against no, your, I wouldn't uh, your even team. Think about doing no, that. No, because you want to win every game. I um, understand that's that. That's what a manager should do. Right. I understand that. I completely understand that. So I never thought that was the case. But he, he, but I think they're afraid of your popularity, and they're afraid that you're still going to gamble if you if they let you get back in the game. Let me tell you something, Mike. I believe this. Really, I, I really believe this. You may not, or listeners may not. What's that? I think I'm the best ambassador baseball has. I work 20 days a month, four and a half hours a day, signing autographs for kids and fathers and grandmas and grandpas, and all I do is talk positive about the game. Name me somebody else that's a former player that does that much road work for baseball. I don't think there probably is. They're in. Listen, this should have been rectified. This is one of the great car wrecks of all time. First of all, you got bad advice. <laughs> yeah. Secondly, there was animosity. Good from thing Faye I had my seatbelt on. From Faye Vincent. <laughs> there was animosity oh, yeah. from Faye Vincent. Yeah, Cause, he, cause he, he thought died. I killed Giamatti. his buddy died. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Anytime you, I talked to Faye about that when he was commissioned, you could see his face yeah, would get yeah, red. Okay. Yeah. He blamed you for Giamatti's death. 
He did. He thinks you had something to do. He thinks the stress you gave him caused Giamatti to yeah, die. Yeah, the 80 okay? pounds overweight or six packs <laughs> of cigarettes that they didn't have nothing to do with it. We know you didn't do it. I'm yeah. just saying. But well, Hard Cosell said that, too. But then you had the guys in in the Hall of Fame who were mad at you, like the fellers and the guys like yeah. that. Yeah. And, and listen, you should have been up front. And listen, I'm not saying I would have done better or you were under a lot of pressure. To, and you didn't want to admit you bet on baseball. I understand that. You were trying to protect something. So, But if you had done that, I think you, it probably would have been over a long time ago. You're probably right. You're pro- but we can't change it, Mike. No, I know. So now I'm looking for a way to go in as your, as a guy who's still breathing. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't you want to have that day? You deserve that day. Well, I, and your fans deserve that. Day. I know that. I know can't that. Can't you come to some agreement with the commissioner? I where would, you will stay. If the commissioner the told game? me tomorrow, I'll put you on the list if you never make another gambling bet. I'd say, my hands are put the handcuffs on me. I don't think he'd trust you. That's the thing. I well, think he thinks you'd gamble. I can't, but well, the thing is, how about if it, you don't even have to go that far? How about that you would sign something that you would never go back at as an active participant in the sport at this age? You're not going to go back in the sport, right? No, I'm a fan. That's I what just, I mean. Nothing more than a fan. I would think that would be enough to let you go in the Hall of Fame. What about just let me be on the ballot? Oh, you'd be voted in the first year. I've never, I've never been on the you ballot. No, you're not allowed to be on the ballot because you're right. – right, we know they that. Changed, Faye Vincent changed that rule with the Hall of Fame. So I because think – Because when I got suspended, a suspended player could be on the ballot. But they took it off because of me. I'm telling you right now, Pete, I'll tell you this. If you would go to the commissioner and say, I will sign this, that I'll never do anything else, but also have your guys start a, 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 a fan – Thing where they sign signatures, I bet you you could get a million baseball signatures of fans who would deliver them to the commission to Mike, have you go into the Hall Mike, of Fame. Mike, you're a smart guy, okay? There's nothing. Don't, th- don't there's you no- understand that baseball don't give a damn about what the fans think? And if you watch them over the last 20 years, you're going to tell me that they worry about what the fans think? They know what's good for business and what's That's not good That's why you got a show, because you can constantly talk about the bad decisions that baseball make, Absolutely. the bad rule changes that they have. Absolutely. That's all true. But so what a, makes you think a letter from me to the commissioner is going to change his mind? Uh, I no think way, that, Jose. Because I think there's something good that could come out of this. Well, you it, know what? Oh, here's the biggest joke in the world. When people say to me, isn't it awful that Pete Rose is in the Hall? And I said, well, listen, first of all, Pete's on that list, and you can't get into the Hall of Fame unless they're off that list. Yeah. So, But number two, I said, Pete Rose is already in the Hall of Fame. Aren't his bats there? Yeah. Aren't his, 15 items. Uh, how much memorabilia yours is in the Hall of 15 Fame? 15 items. 15 items. Are, 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 isn't your history, <laughs> are, are your records in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. So you're already in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. yeah. I just don't have a plaque. You just don't have a plaque. You're I'm, I'm allowed to. Be, I'm allowed to Cooperstown to go there, but I'm not allowed to hang. And listen, you've ticked them <laughs> off when you go. You've ticked them off when you're going to Cooperstown because you go there and draw these huge crowds and sign autographs. I get the biggest crowd of anybody, right? And why they don't that, like that. Why does that piss them off? Oh, it does because they think you're flaunting. They're it baseball at them. F- flaunting at them. You know, after 30 years. Hey, listen, I, I, I have no. See, some guys would come in and they'd say, "I'm still popular," and I'd be thinking, "Boy, is this guy lost." I know how popular you really is still are with the fans. The yeah. fans, they they remember this guy. This is the guy they remember. The guy yeah. with his hair slicked back, diving <laughs> into a base, you know. Let's touch on Fosse for a second because that's the other big controversy of your life. 
You went out to dinner with Fosse. I don't, know, I don't know what the controversy is. Well, people felt Pete Rose should have, you know, in an all-star game, and I disagree, should have gone around him or should have done something. But it was an all-star game. And you and Fosse had gone to dinner just a couple of nights before, the, right? One night before. Talk about the play. Okay. okay. First of all, uh, I had a friend of mine, who still is, named Sam McDowell. Southern Sam. Yeah, played for Cleveland. One of the fastest pitchers I ever saw. Uh, he was. And about a week before the All-Star game, they added Ray to the, the roster. Right. And I already had dinner arrangements. The game was in Cincinnati with uh, Sudden. And he said, can Ray go with us? Sure. And he asked me every question about Johnny Bench. Now, if we were playing today, okay, if we were playing today, no one would have said a thing because Ray was breaking the rules. He blocked the plate without the ball. Right which you're not allowed to do, right? Yes. So he was in a bad situation because he didn't have the ball, okay? I hit him right before the ball got there. And if you look at the film, I bend over and ask him, was he okay? Now, the reality of the situation is I missed the next three games. He didn't miss any. And he went on to play nine more years, but yet I ruined his career. I tell people, if I hadn't run into Ray Fossey in the All-Star game, you wouldn't know who the hell Ray Fossey is. That that happens to be pretty true. I mean, so does Ray and, Fossey ha, have any animosity towards you? He won't. He won't do a card show with me. Oh, he won't. Okay. No, no. Okay. And I know four years ago or so, he was at an All Star game and he was quoted as saying he knows I was trying to hurt him. Oh, come on! That's if ridiculous. you look at I mean, the replay, ridiculous. Mike, I started to slide head that, first. That's, that's ridiculous. I mean, listen, I've seen worse. Hits by on the catches. I've had worse. The, yeah, the next year, yeah, I ran into Duke listen, Sims. I understand he might have. It may have affected. It. He hurt his shoulder or something. Maybe who knows? You're a big man. You're a strong man. But the bottom line is, it was a, it was a typical baseball play. People typical. just got people who were objective to it said, "Oh, you can't do it in the All Star game. Why not? Why not? Well, that's how the All Star game was played in those There's games. There's fifty thousand people, all Cincinnatians, at the game, and people played plus my all, dad, and they played hard in those days in the All Star game. That's why we won sixteen out of seventeen. Yeah, I know. I hated that too, watching the National League. <laughs> but you know why you did too? I'll tell you why you did too. Because the American League had Mantle and Williams and K line, and no black and Latin players that they didn't sign any, and then they they were you're dead for right. twenty you're years. Right after those guys got old, they were dead. You know why we had all the black players? I don't know why that originally happened, though. No. I'll tell you why. Why? Because we had eight AstroTurfs. Yeah, but why did the teams in the American League, why were they so slow to sign those players? Because they had no AstroTurfs. You didn't need no speed in the outfield. Uh, maybe that was it. I don't know the reason why. Or maybe there were some prejudiced owners. Who knows? I mean, maybe our, they were. Our expansion teams were a lot better than the American League expansion teams. Well, yeah, you had so many. I mean, you guys had. And that's another so thing I disagree you're with. Second, you're second string in the old days in the yeah. National League. You had Cesar Cedeno and Bonds. Do, and do you that, have, yeah. do you, would this be a good rule change, okay, that the host team at the All-Star game has to be represented in the All-Star game? You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. But why does every team have to be represented if no, one, if no one deserves to be on the All-Star game. Well, that's game. always been ridiculous. Well, first of all, the All-Star game is no good anymore anyway because now everybody plays everybody and everyone sees everybody all year. So the All-Star game... And it only affects a handful of teams and going no, to the World and Series. And the American National is not the same anymore. You play into league, the whole thing. It's not the same anymore. We never had an early play when no, I played. Oh, God. And you had different umpires and different offices, and now you don't have any of that anymore. Baseball's really yeah, one Let me ask you a question. I'm going I'm to check your brains on Go a ahead. baseball statistic. Now, think about this before you answer it. Go ahead. Don't you guys laugh at him in there Go either, okay? Go ahead. The American League was known as a high ball league. The National League is known as a low ball league. Remember that? Yeah. Why? Because the American League was was a league where they threw breaking balls. The American nope. League, National nope. League, they threw nope. fastballs. Nope. Nope. 
Oh, because the chest protector inside. You're absolutely outside. right. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. You got it on second time. Well, that's why. The Miracle guys yeah. stood up. Yeah, the chest the protector. The National League guys were on a knee. Absolutely. So they're going to see but the also, high pitch or the low pitch. National League. He's pretty smart, this Ma- guy. American League, you saw a lot of curveballs, a lot yeah. of breakables. It was a breakable league. league. Fastball, yeah. fastball league. Yeah, they pitched backwards in the American League. Listen, that means when you expect when a fastball, you, you get a breaking ball. When you played, the National League was better than the American League. I think so. I think it was. The top teams were equal. Now, the Yankees equal. were always Yeah, great. the top teams were equal. Did, but the lower teams weren't. Up did, to sp- did, Mick, did Billy, I mean, did Whitey really give you the Charlie Hustle? Or yeah, Whitey and Mickey talking in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, I, but is that hey, true I, I, or is that, is that yeah, urban true. legend? That's or is absolutely that true? true. Okay, okay what, what about me trying to make an all-star game all the years I was in the outfield when we had Mays, Aaron, and Clemente? Yeah. And, and guys, How are you going to make the All-Star and, game? And and Bonds and Cesar Cedeno and all those guys. I mean, they were unbelievable. I remember one time Cesar Cedeno, me, and Willie Davis started in Milwaukee at the All-Star game. And Mays, Aaron, and Clemente were the backups. That's on. People in the stands, they're getting them jerks out of there and get the real guys Here's in. Here's the amazing thing. You <laughs> went and played four different positions, and you were a star. Five. You were a star, though. Think about it, Okay. And you went. Don't ask you me my pl- favorite position, Mike. Played, That's awful personal. You played five hundred. <laughs> you played five hundred games at four different positions. Five. Right? at five. Yeah. At first two, you played five hundred. Yeah. So you played five positions. Okay. At at five. Why? When they first asked you to move, why didn't you say, "I'm Pete Rose. I'm not moving." No. Uh, the first time they asked me to move, I didn't. I didn't agree with the move because. Uh, I just made uh, the All-Star game at second base. Right. And they wanted to put me at third to make room for Tommy Helms, who right. was rookie of the year in 66. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And I just think I, I didn't think I was going to help the team. So they moved me back to second and put Helms at third. And he made rookie of the year. But then when I went from second base to left field, okay, they put Tommy at second base. Then I went from left field to right field. Yep. Then I went from right field to center field. Then I went back to third base to give George Foster a, play, a chance to play. Yep. Then when I went to Philadelphia, I went to first base Chris to give me a chance to play because they had Mike Schmidt. Absolutely. Amazing. But I had to have a glove. you got too many players today don't even have gloves. It's amazing. Now, which position was second your favorite? First was. First was? Yeah. Why? Because you talked to You didn't everybody? quite get that when I asked you. Don't I ask me my favorite I got position. Your, I got hey, everybody position. in this room has a favorite position, yes. and I'm the only one that's going to say first base. Yeah. <laughs> now, first base. Why? It was, you're always you're involved. you're in every play. You're, you're in always every involved. Play. Yeah, you're in every you're play. You're holding runners on. You're the cutoff man. Bunt coverage. You know, it was close to the dugout as opposed to left field. Left field was three furlongs away. Let me ask you a couple <laughs> of questions here now. You ready? Before you go. This has been great. Pete Rose, play hungry. I'll tell you where he's going to be tomorrow. He's going to be at Barnes & Noble at 1. He'll be at Northvale, New Jersey at 6. All right, a couple things. Did you ever bet on baseball when you were a player? No. Okay. Some people say I didn't, but uh, to be honest with you, Mike, I do not remember betting as a player. You did not. I was playing in '86. Okay. You know, but you don't remember. You didn't bet as a player. Okay. If I had to swear on a Bible, I would swear on a Bible. Okay. The toughest. If you had one out to get, if you had a pitcher that you you're in a box that you didn't want to face in a big spot, who was the pitcher? Koufax. I couldn't hit him with this table. <laughs> no one else could either. I so. was ten for fifty-seven off. No him. one else. That's one seventy-five. He's the best pitcher. But I'll tell you another guy. Go ahead. Did I hit three forty off of? But I think was one of the best pitchers oh. I ever faced. Juan Marichal. He was great. And you don't want to face Bob Gibson. Or, you don't want to Siva. face Tom Seaver. Right. You don't want to face. But Sandy Carl. was different. Sandy yeah. was. Oh man, he had a curveball. Just you. You know, Sandy. Did he Kofi. get you out with the curve or the fastball? Both. 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 
He, he can wind up and not throw it in your swing. <laughs> Sandy Koufax he went to the University of Cincinnati yes. on a basketball scholarship. Yep. And when he was at the University of Cincinnati, he couldn't throw a ball inside the cage. I know, remember. But then when he got that control. He was the best ever. I'm not going to disagree when with When I was a kid, if you were at the game, and you know how they put the pitchers' numbers up on the scoreboard? If there was a score against Kovacs, the stadium, it wasn't even, it's an out-of-town game. The yeah. fans would roar. Yeah, he because was, nobody, right? Nobody hit him. He was unbelievable. He was, all right. Who's the guy, you're in the field, you didn't want to see come up in a tough spot where the, the game was on a line or the runners on base? Who's the hitter on the other team you didn't want to see come up in a big spot? Uh, what guy? A couple of them. Give, mean, me a, give me a couple. Hey, what, Clemente. What? Clemente? Usual. Even usual? Usual. Uh, Mays. Aaron. That's it. Those guys. Babe Ruth. Well, you didn't see Babe Ruth play. I wish I would have. Yeah, he's, so the greatest, I. he's the greatest player ever. Oh, I agree. I, I agree. Hand, hands down. Who's H the best teammate you ever had? Well, I've been knowing Tony Perez for 59 years. When I signed to go to Geneva, New York, he was two months out of Cuba, and I was two days out of high school. He was the second baseman on that team. They moved him to third and put me at second. I went to dinner with him two weeks ago in Cincinnati. I sat there for two hours and have no idea what he said. <laughs> he still can't speak English. <laughs> what, 59 freaking years. Why was Sparky Anderson such a good manager? Yeah, Sparky Anderson, Mike, was the most street smart guy I've ever been around. He understood people. Imagine a baseball team coaching a football or basketball team is all about understanding people. Sparky was the best at it. I love Sparky Anderson. He was like a father to me. I was the only player ever to go to his house in Thousand Oaks, California. Marty Brenneman went, but I was the only player. I saw. I went to, and saw Sparky two weeks before he died. Remember Wade Hoyt? Yeah, sure. I went to see him, and I was the last person to see him. He died two weeks after I left the hospital, or two days after I, excuse me, two hours after I left the uh, hospital. He was our announcer when I broke in. That's why I know so much about And you used to talk to him about all the old that stuff. That Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb. Yeah, I remember I that know in more the book. Babe Ruth stories than anybody you in the wrote, world. You wrote that in the, in the book. Now, I'm not going to get the – you went on a uh, tour with DiMaggio. I won't talk about it, don't <laughs> Well, listen. All right, <laughs> what, what, uh, listen. What? Well, you know, the old saying – He when, was the best, by the way. Marilyn Monroe was asked about Sinatra, she said he's no DiMaggio. <laughs> and you can explain why. <laughs> yeah. Because you gave Joe DiMaggio a shower. Yeah, I did. I did. I did. Tell people how you gave Joe DiMaggio a shower. Well, no. We're, we're, can I do the whole story? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. We're, we're down in, as you may not know, South Vietnam is a jungle. He went to Vietnam with Joe DiMaggio yeah. on a tour. Yeah, 23 days I lived with Joe. Yeah. And it's so hot you can't sleep, and all of a sudden Joe says, i got to take a shower. I said, Joe, we're not downtown Saigon. We're in the <laughs> damn middle of the jungle. He said, I don't give a darn. I'm Joe DiMaggio. i got to take a shower. So the only way you could take a shower there is a guy had to get up, get up on a chair, me, have a bucket of water, pour it into this canvas pour it thing, over his head. pull the chain, and the guy underneath took a shower. I gave Joe DiMaggio a shower. Now, the best way to describe Joe DiMaggio is he was a penis with a man hanging from it. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get us kicked off the air, Mike. <laughs> You know how we call them thongs today? I understand. When I played, they that called them shar shoes. I understand. Joe wore three of them. I understand. I understand. Okay. So, so yes. So that, that, you, that, I'm going to tell you something. That yes. guy was the greatest, man. He 
he was he was so nice and so humble to those soldiers over there. It was it was it was absolutely He's amazing. Regal, kind of regal, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. he, he he walked like a king. He thought he was a king too, but he walked like he was a king. Right? I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing that uh, now you can ask me why on the second one, but uh, I've been around two people that walked into a room and the room lit up. One was Joe. Who was the other one? Bill Parcells. Really? When he, I walked into a private room at Gulfstream Racetrack. Yeah. He had a nice coat on. It, the, the room just beamed when he walked in. This is when he was coaching the Giants. Yes. And, you know, I met seven presidents. He and I are very close, as you know. So very the, close. Bill yes. Parcells is yeah. the man. Yeah, he's, he's got You asked him about that presence. time at, at Golfstream when he walked I in will. there. He, yeah, he didn't know it, but he lit up the damn room. Well, that's nice. That's, a, that's pretty that's hard a, to do. That's a high compliment. That's pretty hard to do. That, that's a, and, and, you know, putting him in now, a place with the Now, if you walked in the, the room, the lights would go off. <laughs> <laughs> When's the last time you had this much fun doing no, an interview? Now, listen, you've been, you've been great today. You, 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 now, i got a couple more for you. Number one, will it break your heart if you don't go in the Hall of Fame? No, I'm already over Honestly, it. Honestly. I'm already over it. Is your family over it? Yeah. Everyone's over My it? My family knows what kind of player I was. Right, but does it My mean... My fans know what kind of player I was. Does it mean something to sure, you? Sure, it would mean a lot to you. I mean, that, that his or her sport, everybody should want to go to the Hall of Fame. All my buddies are up there. You know, half of them are up there because of me. I think I helped Mike Schmidt get to the Hall of Fame. I agree. I think I helped Johnny Bench get there. I think I helped Joe Morgan get there. I know I helped Tony Perez get there. I think I helped Gary Carter get there. I hope uh, Reigns and Dawson. They were all my teammates. Why are all the guys that I played with in the Hall of Fame? Explain why it would have been completely different if your father had been with you. Uh, Because he was a no-nonsense guy. And... uh, but there again, uh, if my father, I don't know how my father would have found out because no one knew. Would your father, would you have listened to your father? Sure, when, I listened to my father. Spin, I had, if things my were spinning out of person control, that, with, with, when yeah. you had to sit in a room and listen to people, would yeah. it have been better if your father had been in a room? Yeah, yeah. My father was the only person in the world I ever idolized. So you would have listened to him? Sure, I would have. He'd have kicked my ass if I hadn't. He was a champion boxer, too. What's, but it didn't happen. So we can't sit here and, and, and complain about it because it didn't happen. You had an all-time career. You, you know, I did pretty good. No, you had no, listen, you had an incredible career. You're pro- I don't buy that you, that, you know, that you weren't talented. That's nonsense, okay? I had First great of all, you, got a, you, got a, you had great hands, and you're strong as an ox. So, I mean, nobody could stand in that box and turn on a ball like you did and not have talent. You had a tremendous amount. Let me tell you something. You had talent. It wasn't all just will. You had talent. There's no question. Let me ask you, does this make any sense to you? And and I get tired of people patting me on the back the way I played. Right. Okay? Because, Mike, I think you'll agree, I played the way everybody should play. I agree. But very few do. I mean, does that make it right? Well, very few did. I mean, you. Everybody passed me on the back, Charlie Hussey. You played hard. You played every day. Well, and everybody's supposed to play hard and play every day. No, you had a, you had a, uh, you had a, you know, you didn't do, you did the things only a couple of guys did. You never gave up in a bat. Like your fourth at bat, you never gave up in a oh, bat. No. Even if the game was 15 to 2, right? You never gave up in a bat, right? I tell people today, kids, I said, I'm going to give you three bits of advice. The first bit of advice would be aggressive. The second bit of advice is to be more aggressive. And the third bit of advice, never be satisfied. That's what you're talking about. So when you're coming up... That's why I got the record for two-hit games, three-hit games, four-hit games, and five-hit games. When you came up in a game that was a blowout and there's no one left in the ballpark and everyone wants to go home, you weren't going to give up that at bat. I want to get a hit. 
Especially if I'm having a good night. <laughs> well, you know what? That's not everybody's like that. You know, I that. got four hits in a game seventy-three times. I got five hits in a game ten times. I got two or more hits in a game twelve hundred fifty times. Are all records? You got two or more hits in a game twelve hundred times. Multi-hit games. That's a, it's outrageous. It it really is outrageous. I made what, nine thousand eight hundred outs. What are you most proud of about baseball? What's the most? What's the proudest thing you are about baseball? Is it nineteen seventy-two wins? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. What's the biggest disappointment of your baseball career? I'm betting on baseball. The stupid. exile. I was exile. stupid. The exile. Yeah. yeah. I think, I actually think not owning up to it was worse than betting on it. I think they would have forgiven you. You're probably right, but I can't. I think they, I understand. I don't have a crystal ball. How many years did you bet on baseball? Like every, like full time? 87, 88. Just two years? Yeah. That's it? Yeah. Were you a guy who were you a better? bet on my team? No, I understand. Were you a guy who bet every day? Were you a guy bet were, on my team every night? Were you a better every day? On my team. Were you like you how many years have you been a better for thirty years, forty years? How long have you been a gambler every day? Well, I'm not a gambler every day uh, yeah, now. You're not, okay. okay. But were you a, well, I guess, were you a, a, I guess this is a gamble being here on this show. <laughs> <laughs> are you a player? Are you? I mean, were you a, a gambler your whole life? Were you a guy who waged on horses no, and games I, let, and No, let me tell you something. Let me give you one more story, and i got to get out of here okay. because I'm tired of you. Okay. okay. No, just kidding. I was 10 or 11 years old, and Don Zimmer was older than me. Right. Okay. When Don was alive, I used to tell people he's the only guy in the world who knows more about baseball than me. And that was uh, very unusual because we grew up on the same Little League fields, same American Legion fields, same high school fields. Our dads were Little League teammates. And his dad and my dad used to take me and Don to the racetrack every Saturday. I'm just a kid. That's where all that shit started. And okay? Don loved yeah, the horses. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. So, and, and Dud was his name. Don's dad was the yep. biggest gambler in the world, but the nicest guy. Okay? And he told me one time, I'm just 11 or 12 years old. He said, Petey, he said, I had a dream last night about white hats and black hats and round hats and square hats. I went to work. He owned a produce company. One of his employees gave him a new Cincinnati red hat. And as he did every day, he went up to River Downs Racetrack. He opened up the program. And number one is top hat. Now he's dreaming about hats. A guy gives him a new hat. Number one is top hat. This is 1951. Okay. He bets $1,000 on top hat, which is a big ass bet in 1951. Mike knows. They're going around two turns. They're coming down the home stretch. The last jump, a 50 to one shot beats top hat. And I said, Dud, who won the race? He said, Sombrero. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that's a good story. <laughs> but that, he's a bad gambler because he told me one time he bet on a duck and it drowned. So, <laughs> so that's a bad gambler. <laughs> Listen, uh, so Pete will be at, at bon Barnes & Noble at 1 tomorrow, <laughs> and he'll be at Books and uh, Greetings at 6 o'clock in Northvale before he leaves New York. The uh, book, Penguin Press. Pete Rose, uh, play hungry. Appreciate you coming in. Oh, Pete, thank pleasure. you, man. Thank you. Great. All thank right, you. man. Take Good care to see you. Yourself. Pete Rose, back after this.
Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.